welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 314. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to everybody. This is Atari Bytes post-COVID episode 2. I'm still alive. I think I'm pretty much over the COVID. For those of you who are wondering for some reason, I don't know why you would be, but if you are, I'm pretty much over it, I think. Whatever weariness and fatigue I'm feeling these days is just general weight of the world stuff. So things are, are on the on the upside, I think, for me. Jill is still struggling a little bit with lack of taste. Uh, hungry, but not, uh, but food not really tasting good. Kind of maybe not setting great. Uh, stuff like that. So that's a bummer. I th- her new thing now is that we're going to start a Mediterranean diet. Because that's supposed to help, apparently, according to places like the Mayo Clinic, so actual real places, not like uh, some uh, random Facebooker. Real places like the Mayo Clinic apparently are saying that if you have stomach upset or whatever more often post-COVID, could be that uh, maybe you want to try a Mediterranean diet, you know, more fish and stuff like that, uh, which doesn't bother me. I'm a fish fan, so that'll be good. Uh, that's an upside anyway. I will let you know how it goes. Again, why you care, I don't know, but if you do, Appreciate it. If you don't care, well, sorry. (laughs) Anyway, I will keep you posted, as I do with all aspects of my life, because I share everything here. And I mean everything. Okay, not really. Hey everybody, Future Bill here. So I'm sitting out on the back patio, watching my dog, hopefully, you know, prayers to God, burn off some energy before he comes inside for the evening. And I thought I would record a little thing uh, just to drop into the episode here. And I guess because the same God that made my dog a devil beast also decided he hates recording podcasts because as soon as I went to hit record, first of all, I'm doing this on my phone, which I realize is lazy, but it's such a nice day and I'm on my patio and I don't feel like going to find a microphone. But as soon as I decided to hit record, the deadly silent neighborhood suddenly woke up. Uh, including my air conditioner. So, apologies for the background noise. Uh, Hopefully it's not too unpleasant for you. I promise the rest of the episode was not recorded on my back patio. It was recorded, as always, uh, on the toilet. So, let's proceed. I read this article in Bleeding Cool, sorry, howtogeek.com. I'm sure it's been written about many times. I'm sure a lot of you already know this, but I thought it was interesting. So I thought I would share with you, for the few of you who don't know this, a bit of trivia. Why was Atari called Atari? Those of you who know this already can tune out for a couple of minutes. In fact, maybe get rid of the download of this episode and download the episode again. And then maybe do it again just to make sure. Okay, great. So, we all know, right? Nolan Bushnell, Ted Dabney founded Atari in 1972. But before that, they worked together at a tech company called Ampex and shared an office. And sometimes they would kill time by playing a game called Go, uh, which is from ancient East Asia. It's a board game. I think I might have played it at some point. Dabney apparently built a a sort of a custom Go board that he and Bushnell would play uh, every so often, and they'd hang it back up on the wall. And on one side, the Ampex video file emblem was painted, and then the other side was the board for this game called Go. In the game, a player's pieces get captured if they are surrounded on all four sides by the opposing player's stones with all four of their, quote, liberties occupied. 
I enjoy a good liberty occupying, but that's just me. Lazy Saturday night, you want your liberties occupied. Just saying. Uh, so in the game, if a piece or group of pieces could potentially be captured in the next move, it's in a state known as Atari, which generally means the pieces or pieces are threatened with capture. Among beginning Go players, it is sometimes considered polite to warn the other player when the condition occurs by saying Atari, which is kind of like saying check when you're playing chess. High-level high level Go players typically frown upon this and consider warning Atari a bad habit. Those guys are jerks. According to this article, the word Atari, though, is a Japanese word with several different meanings based on context. The Go context for Atari has no direct English translation. According to Wiktionary, uh, citing a, a Japanese-English dictionary, defines Atari with two other English meanings, a hit or a winning or a correct guess, which is actually three things, but I'm not going to quibble. In the case of the company name, Atari only related to Go, so that other definitions doesn't apply, and they wasted our time telling us. During the early phases of putting together uh, their partnership, Bushnell and Dabney actually called their company Sai... I'm saying this wrong. Saijigi? S-Y-Z-Y-G-Y. Which means a straight line of three celestial bodies. It contracted with Nutting Associates to develop computer space in 1970. When the company broke off and published its video games on its own, they tried to incorporate in California under the name Saijigi. I'm definitely not saying that right. But it, that name was already taken, much to my surprise, by a roofing company. So then they submitted three Go-related terms in order of preference. Sente, Atari, and Hane. Atari was the one that was available, and that became the name. Apparently, literally picked, I'm going to guess at random, by someone at the California Secretary of State's office. So there you go. That's how Atari got its name. Those of you who already knew that on our board, it has been about five minutes or so, and, uh, and you're welcome to come back. So download this episode again. You're not hearing me say that if you turn the episode off, but, you know, one of you who's listening can uh, text your friend who isn't and tell them to download it again. And uh, let's go on to the rest of the show. But I do share video games and original short stories, so let's get on to that by starting, as we do, with this week's game. This week's game is Frog, a frog demo, actually, for the 2600 from Comavid, released, quote-unquote, found anyway, in 2002 or 2003. This was a game developed, at least started to be developed anyway, by Comavid in the early 80s, programmed by Joseph Beale. Beale also programmed Magic Hard, Stronghold, which we did on the last episode, Venture, and Video Life. Here's the part where I would go through the set of instructions from the game manual, but I can't because there isn't one. So instead, we will sit here quietly. Okay, quietly is creepy. We will sit here instead listening to the sound of crickets because frogs like crickets, right? I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, 
I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. If you're curious, I believe Atari Age has some screenshots for Frog, I wonder what the game was actually going to be called if it had never been finished. In my half-assed research, I didn't see that if it's ever been publicized. If you don't want to go to Atari Age and look at those screenshots, you can just subscribe to the Patreon, Atari Bytes, uh, on the Patreon at the $3 per month level, and you can watch the video of me playing, quote-unquote, this game and see what the game looks like there. I mean, you could also just go to the internet pretty much anywhere and find it, but that's not self-serving for me. So do that Patreon thing that I said. Thanks. So apparently John Bronstein, one of the founders of Comavid, in like 2002 or three, found the prototype in a box of ROMs, basically. And it had a, what I'm picturing is like a piece of masking tape with a magic marker, you know, with a Sharpie lettering the word frog on the tape that's stuck to this ROM, a disc. And Bronstein's like, Hey, Digital Press, do you want this? And they, of course, said, yeah, we want that. So he gave it to them. And pretty much all there is is a one-screen shot of a frog at the bottom of the screen and then a bunch of Atari Protoss calls them moths. I don't know if they're really moths. That seems like an odd choice. I'm imagining more like flies or dragonflies. What you see on the screen, the little four things flying around don't look like any of those things, but maybe they would have by the time the game was done. So when you press the fire button, the frog shoots out his long tongue. Kudos on the long tongue, by the way. And Protoss says that it looks to them suspiciously like a laser beam. Atari Protoss says that Beale was using this demo to test some graphical theories that he later used in the game Stronghold. Quote here, Oddly, I can't find any similarity between the graphics in this demo and those in Stronghold, other than the frog's tongue looks a bit like the cannon of the Stronghold ship. I didn't go back and look, and I know I just played Stronghold a couple weeks ago, but I don't remember if that's accurate or not. If anybody with a better memory than me or a willingness to pull up Stronghold and, you know, metaphorically at least lay it aside frog and tell me if the laser and the tongue look similar or not, please do and let me know what you find out. I think I've mentioned this article before. Digital Press group that Bronstein gave the ROM to have put out an article about the history of Comavid. Bronstein... Uh, was one of the founders of Comavid, along with two other physicists, Erwin Gaines and Joseph Beale, Beale being the programmer for this game. Bronstein has summarized the uh, the group this way. Erwin was the creative one, Joe was the professional one, and I was the one who was neither. The article uh, kind of walks through some of Bronstein's games, uh, particularly games that were not quite finished or the development was outsourced to other places. I don't really see and hear anything about frog specifically there's a thing about a biofeedback game that was outsourced to another company where you could read the player pulse blood pressure and temperature that sounds like a good time oh here we go 
According to the article, we had also asked about the frog game we had seen earlier, which he, meaning Bronstein, explained was simply a program used to test some graphic theories that would later be used in his game Stronghold. And that's about it. That's all they say about it. I think I would kind of like some elaboration there, what those theories were and how they came to be used in future works. So yeah, um, if anyone is more versed in the Comavid history or game development or the story of Frog and wants to uh, enlighten me and all of you about any more of this, please do. In the meantime, I'm wondering, because this is, you know, I, I'm not a game developer. I'm not a physicist. I'm not a tech guy. So my level of speculation about the game uh, lands right about here. Why do Atari creators like frogs so much, right? You've got frog. You've got, of course, frogger, which often lands on lists of best or at least favorite Atari games. Frogs and flies, frog pond, frogs plural, froggy for the 7800. I mean, does any other animal get as much play? on the Atari platform as, as the frog? What's so great about frogs? I mean, other than this one. Hi all, this is Kermit the Frog. Um, I'm trying to think of another animal that gets as much airtime as frogs in Atari games. I mean, there's a horse racing game, I guess. There's a bear. What's that one? It's a Mother's Day themed game about a bear, I think. Uh, snakes, that's a game, right? But I can't think, there's not really even like a like Atari games that I can think of like dogs and cats. You would think there'd be lots of dog and cat games. There's really not. What? Why frogs? Don't understand it. I mean, they hop. I guess that's kind of cool. Maybe that's an easy thing to do relatively in programming, right? Make a frog hop versus uh, a running dog or something. Maybe that's why. But I would think if that's the case, snakes would be even easier. Well, maybe not. Just snakes kind of slither and they kind of, not only do they move forward, they kind of, their bodies kind of change shape and wiggle and stuff. Maybe that'd be harder, I guess. Fish, I guess there's some fish-themed games. There's a shark game. There's a fishing game. Um, stuff like that. Maybe fish is in one form or another. Yes, I know, sharks aren't fish, by the way. I don't know, but I still feel like frogs, as a group, get more time in Atari games than other animals. And I'm sticking with that. If anyone wants to contest that, or would like to do a census of animal representation in Atari games, I very much would like to see that. So hit me up at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. In the meantime, after the break, your tongue gets a workout. most famous frog in all of history. Henry doesn't know, but of course we all know it's Kermit the Frog! Star of the Muppets. Well, get ready, everybody, because here comes Kermit! Okay, I'm lying. It's not really Kermit the Frog. It's just a frog. We're playing, in quotes, the frog demo today. Uh, this is famously the game that John Bronstein of Kamavid found in a box in like 2002 or 3, uh, a disc that had like a piece of tape on it that said frog, and it's uh, a, a, an unfinished demo of a game that they started working on in the 80s at Comavid and never finished, and he thought, does the world want to see this? And of course the world does, because Atari freaks are Atari freaks. So, the world debut today, 
can't lie, it's actually been shown a lot of times. You can find it on the internet. But, the, the world debut on Atari Bytes, Frog. This is going to be a non-stop action ride of intense action and lasers and audio. And, and yeah, and see, Henry's already seeing the, the flashing. I don't know if you're uh, seeing this on the recording, those of you who can do that, which you can if you subscribe to the Patreon at three bucks a month. Uh, the rest of you, uh, just trust me when I tell you, it's it's freaky, man. It's like um, it's like some sort of disco strobe light thing. I kind of want to dance now and do some ecstasy. Just kidding. Don't do drugs, kids. It, okay, it's not quite that bad. But there's a little bit of flicker on the screen. It, but this thing is going to be a wild ride of stunning visual and auditory excitement. So get ready. Here we go. I've already uh, started up the game. I've queued it up. I'm going to press the fire button to start the action. Here we go. Oh my god, that was awesome. What'd you think, Henry? That's the game. The, at least that's all there is of it. The frog, press the fire button and he shoots out his tongue. Kudos on that amazing tongue, tongue note. That is awesome. Uh, and that's it. That's all there is. Your frog doesn't move. He is flicking his tongue at what I'm going to guess are dragonflies? I don't know what those things are supposed to be. Some sort of bugs, I guess. They're kind of this weird multicolored. Looks like if you just broke chunks out of the wall and break out and scattered them around the screen, there's four of them total. Some of this, the, uh, I think I've seen screenshots on uh, the internet that have slightly different screens. I may be wrong, I may be looking something else. On uh, my little demo here that I downloaded, this is what you get. Uh, just a black screen with four bugs on them, I guess, and a really good looking frog but you can't make him move. He doesn't do anything except flip his tongue in, in one direction. Uh, and that's about it. So there's not a whole lot you can take from that. Why would we bother? Well, because it's a frog, darn it. Frogs are cool. So uh, we had to check it out for the game, but that's pretty much my field report. Do you have any opinions about this frog, Henry? Henry doesn't have any opinions. I don't blame him. There's not a whole lot here, but uh, I'm sure I'll have much more to say in the rest of the podcast. So, you know, back to you in the studio. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games, which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's X-E-G-S, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Second Duck on the Right and Other Very Short Stories is my new short story collection. Duck con artists, zombies, things on fire, supervillain angst, and a future without poop are just a few of the topics in these stories. Also the occasional really bad poem. Waddle on over to your favorite bookseller or swim downstream to my website, carnivalofgleecreations.com, for more information. Insert quacking up joke here. Ah, ah, ah.
the thing about the frog demo. I have no idea what this game was going to be. I assume at some point, had the game been developed, the frog would move, and the, the flies, I refuse to call them moths, I think moths is dumb. The flies would fly at the frog, maybe, and if it actually makes contact with the frog body, the frog dies, perhaps, as opposed to the tongue, which is, you know, if you flick your tongue and get the fly, you get the points, maybe. Or maybe it's a, uh, I don't, I was going to say maybe it's like a, like a race thing. We got to hop from lily pad to lily pad or something and get the flies in a certain amount of time. But there really aren't any lily pads. Uh, maybe there would have been. Maybe it's a, uh, a thing where something's trying to get the frog. And in, meanwhile, you're trying to get the flies. Like it's, um, the, the flies are, uh, have healing properties, right? While something else is trying to get you. I realize this is all sort of academic because Bronstein himself said it's really just a thing they developed to work out some other some theories that could be used in other games. So maybe there was no intent ever to finish it. Uh, I don't know. But I'm just trying to think of what this game could have been. I don't know. If anyone have thought, has thoughts about what Frog could have been, let me know. It's story time on Atari Bytes. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story is titled Lost and To Be Found. Dan Funk, freelance zoologist, got the text early on a Tuesday morning. Super early. But he was up already. It had been a long night, and his phone was a welcome, if untimely, distraction. Anyway, he looked at the text. Caitlin was not surprised by this. Dan took in the information in the text, dropped what he was doing, and got in his truck. The Himalayan carpet frog, maybe two of them, or three, had been spotted in the hills east of town. This particular frog was the Loch Ness Monster for amphibian zoologists. Its existence was long rumored, but never confirmed. A blue frog with four eyes and claws on each of its feet would be an amazing discovery. Some thought such an unusual specimen, if it existed at all, surely must be a mutation, perhaps brought on by human short-sightedness. But Dan thought differently. Planet Earth was capable of so much variety and surprise. Why couldn't a special little frog species exist out there, just trying to live its life, waiting to be discovered, but never quite being seen? Well, it should be seen, dammit. Who doesn't want to be seen? and Dan Funk might be the one to see it. It would be a little odd to find the Himalayan carpet frog in the American Midwest, thousands of miles from the Himalayan mountain range, but as a zoologist, you learn never to question the science. Just follow it. Dan had been following science anywhere, anytime for years. He might be gone for an hour, a day, a month. It was a lonely job sometimes, but lonely was okay for science. Within an hour of receiving the text that morning, Dan Funk was crouching behind a boulder near a freshwater spring, hiking in these hills, sometimes with Caitlin if she was willing to come out, but usually by himself. He'd often seen a variety of bullfrogs, tree frogs, and toads. He'd spent so much time out here, his family joked he must be hiding his favorite other family out here. It was not entirely inaccurate. He was often more at home out here than anywhere else. Something moved in the clump of moss. Dan had focused his attention on. Frog? No, just the wind blowing a protein bar wrapper. 
Dan Funk passed the time waiting for the forefront of science to come to him by reviewing frog facts. They're obligate carnivores, meaning they gotta have the meat, sometimes even resorting to cannibalism. Sometimes they're ambush predators, but sometimes they'll sit and wait for prey to wander by. Sloughing is, is when frogs eat their own skin, both for healthful shedding and to throw off predators. They do that too. They also breathe through their skin, lungs, and nose, but can't breathe underwater. They're found all over the world except Antarctica. Some frogs scream when they're afraid. They play dead and pee as a defense mechanism. They puff up their bodies to keep others away and repel mates. Dan Funk's phone chimed with another text, all caps this time. Pick up your phone when I call. Oh, right. Dan kept his phone on vibrate for a reason. A wave of resentment splashed on him like the puddle he'd stepped in walking out here. His thumbs flew as he swiftly typed an answer. I told you I'd be back this afternoon. I'm working, Kate. Come on. Caitlin didn't answer right away. That was fine. The sun rose a little higher. The day was warming. Frogs are cold-blooded, so the warm air makes them more active. No frogs in sight yet, though. Dan's knee cracked a bit as he changed positions. He hoped he hadn't scared the rare little frogs away. Dan checked, again, that his camera's battery was fully charged. It was. The vibration of electronics pulled Dan's eyes back to the power pack before he realized the sound was actually his phone. Another text from Caitlin. Are you seriously waiting around for Kermit? The text read. Will you just come back and finish this? It said. Dan's thumbs hovered over the keypad before he decided not to answer. The answer was going to be no, and that would not go over well. A sound in the distance. Croaking! No, wait, just locusts. Another text. Caps again. Well? Dan Funk hesitated. He was so close. He could feel it this time. The text chime again. We need to talk. We need to talk now, Dan. It read. Dan sighed. Something skittered across his field of vision. It was just a salamander. Not even a blue one. Just give me a few more minutes, he typed finally. I'm really close this time. Response. Eye roll emoji. Followed by... Yeah, you are close, but to what you just don't get. Dan Funk read and reread that a couple of times. He pondered it a bit as he moved to a new location near a feeble little stream. Little gnats and flies buzzed around. Snack time for froggies. This was the perfect spot. He chewed a protein bar. What the hell did that text mean? Focus, Funk. A common leopard frog hopped into view. Dan Funk's heart pounded. The frog was three inches, large, dark green with black spots. Dan almost peed a little. There were indeed frogs here. He knew he was onto something. This was a fine habitat for the Himalayan carpet frog. It was only a matter of time. The text chimed again. The text chimed again. I'm leaving, Dan, was all it said. Dan Funk looked around. The air was still. Some birds flew overhead. He actually heard croaking in the distance, which made him sit up a little straighter. The pitch was all wrong, though, for a Himalayan carpet frog. He was pretty sure, anyway. No one had actually gotten any audio, unfortunately, but Crystal Candor, a leading frog chaser, had published a stunning article in the latest journal where she described actually seeing a carpet frog in a swamp in India. Unfortunately, her SD card failed, and she lost all her photos. The description of it in her article, though, was amazing. Always back up your files, friends. Anyway, Dan Funk reluctantly considered his options. 
It would take a while for Caitlin to pack up and go. She'd have to decide where to go specifically. Her best friends, maybe her brothers. Possibly, though, she'd just drive up the highway to, well, wherever she goes when she goes. She always comes back in time. There was plenty of time for Dan Funk to find his frog. So he'd just wait. Just a little longer. For science. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Big thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. Hop on over to the Apple Podcast Lilypad and flick your tongue five times to leave a five-star review of this podcast. No video, please. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at AtariBytes or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And do, please, check us out on Instagram. You can also call me, too. You can croak right into my ear. Well, not really. Right into my voicemail, because I'm never, ever going to answer the phone. 563-265-1978. Just croak all you want. No heavy breathing, please. I'm waiting to hear from you. Check out the website, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com. You're going to find stuff about this show, stuff about my other show. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown. You're going to find out information about books that I've written, like Second Duck on the Right and other very short stories, Hell Serial, Misery Banana, In the Saint Nick of Time. It's August, so you can start thinking about Christmas. That last one is a Christmas-themed novel, a Santa Claus story for adults. It would make a lovely gift for your uh, adult friends who never quite let go of Santa. So consider that. Check it out on the website. You'll even find links to places, some of them anyway, that you can order those books. I know. It's amazing. Consider supporting the show financially by making, uh, by becoming a subscriber on the Atari Bytes Patreon page at patreon.com. Link in the show notes. You can also, by doing so, uh, join a very exclusive club with these guys who all have my gratitude. Michael Tyler, Jose Cazeta, Sean Courtney, M. West, Jeremy L., Mark Super, Jim Goble, and Robert Ferguson, uh, who are all really awesome dudes, and I am very grateful to them. All right, all that's left is to tell you next time on Atari Bytes. We're sticking with Comavid. I don't really know why, other than I guess I'm a completist, but we're sticking with them. We're going to play Rush Hour for the 2600. So yeah, that's a car thing, I'm assuming. So, beep beep, I guess. Um, beyond that, we'll find out more next time, because I don't know anything else beyond that. Other than, I did play Rush Hour a little bit today, uh, just to see what's up, and I was not very good at it. So, that's fun. Tune in next time to hear me not be good at a game. Not that that's new. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. Oh, 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 oh,
Oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh, oh,